Shifting our schools happens with small, significant steps forward. This week, Jeff Utick is back to tour us through a way to keep taking those steps with another free Shifting Schools resource. Before you listen, we want to remind you that this episode has a ready-to-use meeting map, so you can use this episode with your team. Be sure to find the link in our show notes. Okay, educators, ready to dig in, unlearn, and prepare to spark the next shift at your school? Then let's kick off this episode. Welcome to another episode of the Shifting Our Schools podcast. My name is Trisha Friedman, and I am honored to be sitting in today for Jeff Udick. If you tuned in to last week's episode, that was episode 170, then you already know we are right in the middle of a special series where we are sitting down with educators who also happen to be authors. These four episodes... Uh, each includes an interview with an author exploring their book to hopefully give you some context in terms of why this book might make for a great teacher book group on your campus. Um, these episodes correspond with a free guide. Like all of our other free guides, you can get to it by going over to shiftingschools.com, selecting the resources tab, and then heading over to our resource library. The free guide you would be looking for is called Fostering Community with Teacher Book Groups. Inside that guide, you will find resources to help you get your next teacher book group started, to be really intentional with the roles and the protocols that you use. Today, I am absolutely thrilled to bring you an interview with educator and co-author of the book, What Inclusive Instructors Do, Dr. Addy. And we're going to get this episode started with a brief reading from that book by Dr. Addy herself. Enjoy. Chapter two, what do they know about being inclusive? As described in chapter one, two essential aspects of inclusive teaching are the ability to make meaning of such approaches and to understand the significance of their impacts on the learning environment. In this chapter, we highlight how inclusive instructors also have core knowledge and adopt particular mindsets that guide their implementation of various strategies and lead to effective teaching. The course scenarios described are either hypothetical or based on real examples. Inclusive instructors know that being aware of the diverse attributes that their students bring to their courses is essential for creating environments where all students can meet learning goals. Inclusive instructors view the diversity of their learners as an asset and leverage the differences between students to create excellent learning opportunities that can benefit all members of their classroom community. They recognize that some students can be particularly vulnerable to the harms of stereotypes and thus they are deliberate in affirming all students' identities. Inclusive instructors view themselves as responsible for fostering an inclusive learning environment, rather than considering it solely the responsibility of individuals or offices designated for equity and inclusion initiatives. They espouse a mindset of inclusion and have empathy for their learners. They know that empathy is critical to the intentional design of courses that are equitable and welcoming. They teach to the whole student rather than solely to their intellectual capacities. They enact instruction that is focused on learners. Inclusive instructors also recognize that they are also learners. 
They have limitations, but they seek to grow in their efforts. In this chapter, we parse out these key aspects of what inclusive instructors know about being inclusive, applying various frameworks described in chapter one. Before we dig into the rest of the interview, where you get to hear more from Dr. Addy as she discusses the process, the intention behind her book, I'll remind you that links that you hear us refer to in this episode are, of course, over there in the show notes. And be sure to check out our free guide that's all about teacher book groups. While you are over there on ShiftingSchools.com, if you are curious about professional learning opportunities that are upcoming from us, you'll also want to be sure to select our On Offer tab to keep up with the latest offerings from Shifting Schools. Now on with the show. Um, hi, I am really honored today to uh, have the privilege to speak with Dr. Addy, who is the Associate Dean of Teaching and Learning at Lafayette College, as well as the Director of the Center for the Integration of Teaching, Learning, and Scholarship, and of course, is an author. Today, we're going to be digging into a book uh, that Dr. Dr. Addy is a co-author on, which is called What Inclusive Instructors Do. Uh, and folks can follow Dr. Addy on Twitter at Tracy Addy. And again, we're going to include that in the show notes. Um, Dr. Addy, if you don't mind, I actually kind of want to, I wanted to start our conversation just doing that weird thing of quoting you back to you. And, and this comes from an opinion piece that you wrote for the American Society yeah. for Engineering and Education. Mm -hmm. um, I just, I really love this line. Uh, Dr. Addy, you said, while requiring humility and vulnerability, Learner-centered approaches incorporating students' voices can help us develop more inclusive STEM classes. No time is better than the present to get started. Absolutely. Um, and I would say, you know, not just STEM classes, all classes. Mm -hmm. um, and and I, you know, I couldn't agree with you more. No time is better to begin than today. And I think for some schools who are wondering, okay, we want to begin. We agree with you. No time is better than right now. How do we do it? Um, you know, I, I think that your text is a great starting point. It has so many different perspectives, but rather than, than me kind of, uh, you know, give the pitch, I'm wondering if, if you could sort of, you know, give us the in a nutshell version of, of what the book is and really just in essence, who do you feel this book is for and, and why is it important for readers in education right now? Absolutely. Thank you, Trisha. And thank you for presenting that quote as well. So what inclusive instructors do answers a fundamental question that is important for every educator to ask about their teaching, namely, how can I design a classroom that is equitable and promotes a sense of belonging for my learners? The research is clear that equity and belonging are critical for student achievement, persistence, motivation to learn, well-being, etc. Right. So the book presents some of this research and it talks through the mindsets of educators who are inclusive and it gives a whole bunch of strategies from the level of how do I design this class to be more inclusive to how do I go about just building that welcoming classroom from the beginning of the class, you know, when, the, when it starts throughout the class, if it's disrupted, um, etc. And then also a bunch of different everyday inclusive teaching strategies. So that's the overview 
review of the book. And I would say that educators at all levels will benefit from this book, as well as those who do run professional development for teachers. Um, the book is a resource that my co-authors and I would have loved to have had. And so that really motivated us to write it and to share this work with others who could benefit from it as well. Now, you know, why is this book really important now? Why is it timely? Well, I think we all see we're living in a time where inclusion and equity are becoming more part of the dialogue. This has always been critical in teaching and learning, but I think even now, even more so is what makes it a timely read given what's going on currently in our society. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I hope, again, I think a lot of that idea of it's in the dialogue, it's in the conversation. And then where are we actually seeing it? Some of the the policies and practices, what I think is so useful about your book is again, you've got the framework, you have a lot of the, ah, okay, this is what it actually is in practice rather than um, it's an abstract, you know, ideal that we would like to have. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I know that your, your, your book is, is really, really rich in research. And I'm wondering if you could talk us through just some of the highs and lows that you experienced in, in putting it together and just tell us a little bit more about what that research process was like for you. Um, and if there was anything that, you know, as you were doing the research, as the book was coming together, that you were thinking, this is something, this is an idea, or this is part of the process this, that's just going to stick with me for years to come. Sure. I really appreciate this question in general, Tricia, because, you know, after writing the book and thinking about all the process that went into it, sometimes, you know, a reader might not know, right, or be able to conceptualize, like, how was this crafted? How was this created? So I really like this question. So I'll start with the fact that initially I didn't have writing a book in mind when I first uh, discussed this research with my collaborators. In fact, what I was most interested was understanding the barriers that educators faced with incorporating inclusive teaching in their classes, as well as what kind of helps them adopt inclusive teaching strategies. And I was gonna basically go kind of publish research articles in, in that type of route. But then, you know, thinking about it further, thinking about all the voices, thinking about all the things we could collect, I thought I could answer those questions and much more um, to warrant publishing a book that also gets at not just that research piece, but also the practical strategies that we, you know, we talked about that was very usable, very digestible, right? And with voices from actual educators. So that is kind of, you know, in the very beginning, how that was conceived of. So then it was this process of doing the survey study. So, you know, conducting a survey study can always have its challenges. Um, You know, you want to encourage a good response. You want, you know, everybody who want to respond to respond. Um, So those are, you know, the issues that we definitely confronted. And also just later, just sifting through that data, analyzing it, and then putting it together in a digestible way that would make sense, right, for, for people to understand and to get something from. So there were a lot of questions that came up during data collection. When do we close the survey? Um, We had a target in mind. Um, Should we wait to get more responses? Then after we closed the survey, I would say looking at the data and thinking about all the major themes and what came up, that took a time and it took a process and we had to kind of process that information. And it was a beautiful thing though, because even though it took time to really think through, um, and, and, and while I was doing it, I could definitely see it being this book. Like, you know, there's this vision of like, wow, there's so many great voices here. There's so much rich information here. We should put this all together in a, in a helpful way. So 
that was kind of the beginning um, thoughts, uh, you know, how the research kind of happened. Um, and then I would say when we were conceptualizing the book even further, something that was really important to me, as you see, is the research, right, and tying it in. So we all had to kind of do our due diligence, even though I follow the research in equity and inclusion, absolutely, so I could, you know, be able to cite some things and things like that, a lot of different um, papers, et cetera, the research to come out. But we all had to do our due diligence to really explore it further and to dig a little deeper. So there was that time and effort put in. So not only our research incorporating that into a nice story, but also to pull in the other research and to make it all kind of, you know, be a, a nice coherent um, book in, in the end. I would say that's the basis of chapter one, like where we're like, oh, we got to get into the research. We got to like give some of the, you know, reasons behind this. Then also how we try to incorporate our research. So those mindset pieces, you know, trying to incorporate that in chapter two and do more than just strategies, but also thinking of it like as a mindset into a practices that are actually done in the classroom. So I think um, all of that was kind of the process that we went through and it was a lot of um, kind of back and forth. And I will say one of the biggest areas that my co-authors and I had a lot of discussions about, those were all discussions, but we kind of, you know, we worked through them all, but was actually chapters three, four, and five. So three gets into how to design an inclusive class, four, how to build a welcoming environment. And then th uh, five is more the you know, day-to-day -day teaching other types of strategies. Um, so those chapters, we wanted to make them very distinct, but also interconnected. So we had so many conversations, I would say, around those three. And knowing that those will be the ones that um, when the readers read them, they will be like, okay, they, you know, these are the ones that I'm trying to apply you know, in my teaching. Um, we wanted to make those ones, I think, you know, very strong, but also, you know, weave in the research, weave in everything else from the book, et cetera. So I think that was, you know, those are the things that really stuck out to me in, in the process of creating this. Um, you know, it was amazing how it turned out. Again, I wasn't planning to write a book, but it all seemed to just be right to, to, to actually go that route. And I think, you know, in, in curating it, in that way, you know, and as you said, there's so many different aspects to the book. I just think it's such a great resource for teachers. And, you know, part of the reason I wanted to start with that initial quote where you talk about, you know, we have to have humility and we have to have vulnerability is even just questioning, is my classroom, is mm -hmm. it welcoming, you know, mm -hmm. and that the vulnerability and recognizing, you know, maybe some days it has been, maybe other days it has not. And yeah. really interrogating those dispositions and, and thinking about, um, you know, I, I definitely think in my own educational training, we never touched on that, mm. you know, mm -hmm. to what effect does your disposition, you know, really kind of just underscore whatever else it is that you're trying to do as an educator. Um, Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I, I just, I feel like it's, it's really pushing a conversation that's been long overdue. And, you know, again, this is at, at the center of, of everything. I feel like if you don't get this piece right, mm -hmm. the rest of it, you know, really might not matter. Um, Dr. Addy, I am something of like a book club, just geek. Like I love book clubs <laughs> so much. Um, but like anybody else who's gone to book clubs, you know, you've probably been to ones that are successful and ones that are not. Mm. Um, and I, I often think it's, you know, great books, truly great books leave us with some great questions. And mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, that really shows up in a, in a, in a book group, you know, do we have stuff to really dig into where there's nuance, 
uh, where there's that conversation to be had. And, you know, I, I think that your book is going to do that. And I'm really curious as a co-author, what are some of the questions that you're hoping folks will be left with, or you're, you're hoping, you know, these are going to be difficult questions mm-hmm. for there to be a, you know, so-called right answer for. Mm-hmm. Those, that's a great question. So one of the biggest things, which hopefully also emanates through the book too, is what does inclusive teaching look like in the context in which I teach? So we did ask the educators in the study this very question because we knew that it, it might, you know, it can encapsulate some very general things, which we tried to kind of characterize as, but also some very specific things and thinking about who their learners are. So what I would hope for is that that first question that um, it would leave educators with really thinking hard about that. What does this mean to me in my classroom, right? And the students that I teach. And then going with that connected, who are my students? Who are my learners? I mean, we can say kind of broadly, yeah, learners are this, 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 but really who are they? What identities do they bring? What motivations do they bring? You know, how can I better design my class to be more equitable for all of these learners? One of the things we present in the book um, in chapter six is, is uh, the who's in class form. And that's a book, that's a form that actually we're going to publish soon. You know, it's, it's, it's accepted. It's, it's accepted with revisions right now. So hopefully it will come out the research on it um, because it did, we couldn't time it right with the book. So we're putting it in a separate publication. Um, but basically that's something that I've been actually working on with instructors to try to figure out who our students are in terms of each class, right? And getting to know them better. Um, and understanding who they are. So I would think that that would also be a really good question that I would hope uh, educators would take from this book, um, as well as how can I foster a welcoming environment for my students, right? So those will probably be the biggest ones. Um, And I think by reflecting on those questions, going through this process, acting upon them as, you know, designing a more inclusive experience. I think um, educators will begin to see the, the power, right, of, of what this can do and how this can transform the classroom. I run um, an academy for instructors. It's, it's going to be, I, I started it last year. We've run two different cohorts and we focus specifically on inclusion and their inclusive teaching goals. What does it mean to them? You know, helping them figure out who their learners are. How are they going to design an equitable and welcoming environment? And it's in real time. So they're doing it while they're teaching. Um, and they're also getting feedback. They're getting feedback not only from me and my, my, my colleagues, but also from students. So students also will actually give them some feedback um, who do observations and whatnot. And what I can say is that you know, um, they have definitely kind of asked those questions, right? When they're when they're designing um, this instruction, and I think it, it leaves a mark on them that you know after that experience in that academy, they're going to they're going to continue to ask those questions each time that they teach. So the intentionality of inclusive teaching is critical. Um, being able to make sure that it is in our thoughts and minds, you know, when we're teaching each time, I think is 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 obviously very important. And I think those types of questions, if they can keep coming up um, and, and then, you know, uh, teachers uh, thoughts, dialogue as they're planning their classes, then that would be pretty powerful. And that's what I think the book will leave them with. And, you know, I, I agree with you. I think it is going to leave readers with that in part, I think, you know, again, depending on your, your generation, I think so few practitioners today went through a schooling experience that, you know, did have those dispositions or, Mm -hmm. you know, even things as simple as, you know, should my learning environment be welcoming? Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I I think many of us kind of went through a system that was like, 
you know, it doesn't matter if you like it or not. This is what it is. This is what it's been. Yeah. Um, and that's the, you know, quote unquote kind of tradition. So there is so much work to do around this. And I'm wondering if, um, you know, in the coming academic year, really September 2021 onwards, um, I'm assuming you're you're going to be in sort of demand for, for a lot of different readers to sort of say, okay, yes, I, I would love to do more. Um, what else is, is sort of coming up or coming out being published from you this year that the readers should be aware of in terms of, I love the book, I want to keep learning from and with Dr. Addy. Uh, how else might they be able to do that? Sure, yeah, we have a couple of publications coming out on inclusive teaching. Um, one will probably come out, I think it's supposed to come out in the next month or two. Um, that one, actually, it it's part of our kind of study, um, and it's answering certain research questions for our study with what predicts whether instructors kind of adopt inclusive teaching practices and, and implement mm. them. So we did a more um, quantitative kind of analysis using regressions and things like that um, to actually look at some of these predictors. Um, and so that will be coming out um, in and to improve the academy. We're just, you know, kind of waiting for their, when they actually do, do publish it. Um, but that's one that will come out. Another publication that will also come out, I think in the probably the same issue of to improve the academy is some of our work with student partnerships. So that's something that I also do a lot with inclusive teaching because who are the better um, recipients to know whether in a classroom is inclusive, other than ask your students, right? Like, are they, are they, you know, is this an inclusive um, environment? So I do a lot of work. I have student fellows for my center, and I, as I mentioned before, they they will do classroom observations. They will give feedback. They will do um, a lot of um, kind of uh, feedback, other types of feedback, like focus group type things uh, and, and things like that for classes. Um, but what they'll also do, and this is what this art, this other article will come out, is it also talk about how student voice is important and how my institution at Lafayette College and, and also Bryn Mawr College has been doing a lot around that. Um, how how you can actually do that at your institution and actually bring student voice. So we've had students uh, present in forums and all kinds of you know ways to talk about how can we better make inclusive classrooms for our students. So that will also be coming out as well. The other um, article that I mentioned is the who's in class form. So the who's in class form um, is already published in the book and it's an we had an ongoing study with it with various instructors and that was great. Um, and so the data basically showed that, you know, we both got student and instructor feedback on it, but, you know, students really appreciated that form, the ones who responded to the survey, that their, their instructors used it. Um, they felt less like a number or, you know, they felt like they were, you know, really the instructor cared um, about them. We got lots of good feedback and also from the instructors who also implemented the form. So that will also be published in the future, the data, you know, kind of highlighting that particular tool as well. Um, we do have some other things in progress, I will say, as well. Um, we're also thinking really carefully the research that we do um, around inclusive teaching is also other ways to give feedback on it um, when you do a classroom observation um, of an instructor. So there will be some tools we're hoping to come out in the next year that we've been developing um, and we're going to be continuing the research on um, in the fall and beyond. Um, and we're hoping to publish some tools tools around actually observing classrooms and, you know, being able to identify inclusive teaching behaviors and support 
uh, educators a more formative feedback right on on their teaching. So those were those are a couple of things that I think will be you know really interesting that come out um, of some of the research that we're doing. And of course, we're going to keep you know doing more. So so you know as as time goes on, I'm sure more and more uh, things will 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 come of this as well. That's fantastic. And again. Uh, you know, listeners will be sure to have Dr. Adi's Twitter handle and LinkedIn profile there so that you can try to keep up with all of the research uh, Mm -hmm. that you're doing. It it sounds like it's just nonstop research for you, but um, (laughs) it's it's needed. So thank you for that. And, you know, just that emphasis on, um, you know, what you said about, you know, how well are we listening to Mm -hmm. students? Uh, And and I know that you've written about this idea of you know, giving students both intentional options to give feedback and then just Mm -hmm. the voluntary spaces Mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I really appreciate that because I think in my experience, just some of those, like, this isn't necessarily a form, you know, this isn't like a mandatory give me feedback on, but you know, this is just like a low stakes, you know, uh, just conversation. That's been some of the richest feedback that I've Mm -hmm. ever had from, from students. Mm and, and I find it it grows exponentially once students actually get it, that we want to hear from them, mm-hmm. that we care about their feedback, mm-hmm. we will get more of it. Um, and I, I just, I really, really appreciate that because I think sometimes it is very easy to make the assumption that, oh, that person doesn't care or mm-hmm. they're not saying anything because they're not interested. And, uh, you know, I think it's a really great, just, you know, your work is a great let's test that assumption actually. Like, you know, it it is sort of on us to make sure that our students know that we care um, and that we're giving them just kind of multiple entry points into giving us feedback. Absolutely. uh, Dr. Addy, I I know that, you know, listeners uh, might be saying, okay, yes, I want to do a book group study of this. Um, I was always that that person on campus saying to my boss, like, can we get 20 copies of this? Can we get 30 (laughs) copies of that? Um, and once you've asked a few times, you know, like rightfully so, the school administrator will kind of want to know, like, why this book, you know, it basically, you know, kind of kind of sell me on it. And I'm wondering if you might just talk a little bit to um, what you feel the stakes are if we're not having these conversations, mm-hmm. um, you know, when, when we're not sort of taking a closer look at the issues that um, your research and your book digs into, what do we lose out on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think, you know, if we think back to kind of thinking about what are the goals of, of education, you know, we where do we want our students to go? How are we going to support them in this process? And then reflecting on how do we get there in terms of our teaching? Um, what are these parts of our teaching that we could do better? So sometimes, you know, the focus is solely on the curriculum, the content, etc. And that is huge, that is critical. And we sometimes lose these other things, right? Like, so we see in the research how critical belonging is, right? How critical equity is. And so the reason, you know, for this book is really to make sure that we are using a full spectrum of things in our teaching that we know is excellent, that we know is supported in research, that we know will support and help our students. Our students are bringing all of their diverse assets to our classrooms. Um, And, you know, this is also a time of COVID. There's all this trauma 
uh, as a result of it, uncertainty, challenges that students are facing. Uh, this is a heightened times of also seeing all these iniquities that our students have been facing with moving, you know, to different types of instruction, um, modalities and whatnot. Um, we also see right now, you know, mental health crisis has been an issue even before uh, COVID, pre-COVID, but even more so now, how that's going to challenge our students. We see social unrest, right, happening across, you know, our nation and beyond. Um, there's so many factors too that are in you know the everyday lives of our students that are impacting them right and it's not even just it's going beyond all of the things that we you know kind of could traditionally think of as, as diversity this is also all of this other societal kind of impacts that are going to be brought into the classroom and for now Inclusive and equitable teaching is going to be even more critical in our educational systems. We're going to be encountering and fighting, you know, we're, we already are all of these things, right? All of these iniquities, all of the things that are happening day to day in, in our, in our nation and, and, and also, you know, beyond. So this book really explains the why this is so critical. The how do we actually do it? Um, so I think that any educator will value, you know, it because of that. And we can apply it during COVID. We can apply it any other time. Um, this is really meant to be a resource to really think deeply about how we teach. And so I think, you know, in, in that level, I've definitely have gotten, you know, wonderful feedback that it's been transformative to just read and think about inclusion in this way. Because as you mentioned, Tricia, before, you know, it's not it hasn't been traditionally taught you know like that that this is a really critical aspect of of our teaching and and sometimes it's only focused on certain types of inclusion you know kind of things and so we made this book very broad to really think about inclusion as a big thing but also the individual issues that do come up around inclusion and around equity too so i think for many of these reasons um it's a it's a great book for any educator to have you know and to read um to really think deeply about how they teach and how they're being inclusive in their teaching absolutely you know and i i think it's also i hear thrown around all the time you know the idea that our school is a community mm. or you know our our plcs are you know micro learning communities mm -hmm. and i kind of think can you call yourself a community if you're not taking action to mm. show that you know we are actively engaged in learning about one another and you know Absolutely. we see everybody's voice is valuable in that space so i think this is a great book to okay you call yourself a learning community mm -hmm. what are you doing to foster it um, mm. in, in my mind it really just kind of speaks to it's not just a community because you call it one mm -hmm. sure it's putting actions right to those words <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to do something in order for it to be. It's not just because you, you pin that label on it. Uh, Dr. Addy, thank you so much for your time. Uh, My pleasure. You know, again, we'll, we'll be sure to, to link to uh, other ways that, that readers can continue to learn with you. Thank you for doing the research that you do. Um, and, and again, it, it absolutely is. This is a great resource for anybody in education, mm -hmm. I, I really think, at, at any level. So. Thank you and congratulations on um, you know what sounds like it was an amazing research journey uh, and having that kind of come come to be this wonderful book that you've gifted to us. Thank you so much, Tricia. It's been a pleasure. Did this week's story inspire you? Are you looking for a conversation on a specific topic? Reach out to the Shifting Schools team through any of our social media channels linked in our show notes. 
Shifting Our Schools podcast is a proud production of the Shifting Schools team. For more resources to support you in shifting your school, be sure to explore our collection of free ready-to-roll guides available at shiftingschools.com.